you will, turn your Bibles to John, the 20th chapter. Uh, we'll be looking at the end of this chapter. We looked at uh, verses 19 through 23 uh, last week when Jesus met with his disciples and uh, gave them peace. And uh, they came to recognize that Jesus, in fact, was alive. Today, we'll look at the account which gives Thomas what we often refer to as the name Doubting Thomas. I'm not sure that is an entirely correct attribution to this disciple who did want to see proof, but still he is often referred to as, as Doubting Thomas. But let's read verses 24 through uh, uh, 29, and then uh, we'll look a little later at verses 30 and 31. John 20, verses, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came in, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. We saw last week how on that first day, on the day of the crucifixion, Jesus' disciples were gathered together in a locked room. They were scared to death. They thought that those who put Jesus to death would find them arrest them, and possibly do the same thing to them that had been done for Jesus. Jesus comes in through the doors. He didn't need to have the doors unlocked. He came through the doors, which we don't fully understand, but we know he did it. His resurrection body was not like his previous body, although they recognized his resurrected body. And he said to them, peace be with you. A common greeting of that time, but one that had special significance because they were not in peace. They were disturbed. They were saddened. They were distraught. They were grieving the loss of Jesus. And now he is here with them and speaks peace to them. We saw that he told them to receive the spirit and that in John 20, 21, he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So he 
was sending the disciples out to do the work that he had been called to do to proclaim the kingdom of God. And we ourselves are under that same command. As Jesus was sent by God, we are sent by Jesus into our world to share the message. Verse 24 begins, but Thomas, but Thomas. For you see, Thomas wasn't with the disciples on that first night. Now, back years ago, uh, I preached on this text. And the theme of my sermon was, when you're not with the disciples, you'll miss something. And, and I believe that's right. I think that's why we ought to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. I think we do miss something when we're not able to be with the disciples. But, uh, but I preached that as kind of the lesson from this. And I, I was wrong. I missed the main theme of this passage. It's not about Thomas not having been there. It's, it's something else. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So Thomas was somewhere else. We don't know where. Maybe he was somewhere hiding out even in a more secure location. Maybe he was busy ministering. Maybe he just wanted to be alone and grieve by himself. We don't know. We just know that on that first night, the day of the crucifixion, that Thomas was not with the disciples. When Jesus appeared to them and they saw him. Thomas is not the only disciple that didn't believe initially. We know that uh, when the women came back and reported that Jesus was alive, there were some of them that thought these women were out of their minds, that uh, their report that they had seen Jesus. So they, Thomas was not the only one who doubted, who, who uh, wasn't sure of the outcome of all that had happened that day. But for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there. Days went by, and the following week, the disciples gathered back together. They were gathered. This time, Thomas was with them, and of course, they had been reporting to Thomas, we saw Jesus. He was here with us. And Thomas said, I'm not, I'm not believing that right now. He said to them, unless I see the, the scars, the imprints of the nails in his hands, I will not believe. Unless I can see where that spear pierced his side and put my hand there in that wound, I, I will not believe. He wanted proof. He wanted to be sure. He wanted to see. And so often we want to see. We want to see with our eyes before we'll believe. Sometimes we'll believe things we hear. Sometimes we believe things we read. But things that we see, we have a higher tendency to believe those things. So Thomas had, had said that. I will not believe. I, I don't believe you, brother disciples. I've got to see it myself. Well, 
He got to. After eight days, Thomas with him, Jesus came. Jesus came into the room. Again, the doors having been shut. They were still scared. They still had shut the doors. They wanted to protect themselves from outsiders. They wanted to guard against those who might want to do to them what they had done to Jesus. So they had shut the doors. And once again, like he had done the week before, Jesus comes in through shut doors. As soon as he comes in, he points out one disciple. Yep, you got it. He points out Thomas and says, Thomas, uh, first he said, peace be with you. Again, they needed that peace. It wasn't just a greeting for them. It was something they still needed because despite what they had seen and heard and experienced, they were still scared. They were still petrified at what was going on. And he said, peace be with you. To you, And I'm sure at that, they thought back to when he said those words, similar words to the stormy sea of Galilee and the wind ceased and the waves dropped. And after saying that, he pointed out that one disciple who said, I want to see his hands. I want to see his side. And he said, Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hand and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now we don't read what Thomas did before he made this exclamation. Uh, We assume from this He didn't have to reach his finger and touch Jesus' scarred hands, the wounds in his hands. He didn't have to reach his hand to that wound in his side, but he saw it. He saw Jesus. And suddenly, as Jesus said, don't be unbelieving, but believing, he became a believer. And verse 28 says, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. The only time in the New Testament anyone refers to Jesus in in just that way in an encounter with him. My Lord and my God, a term that that was used in the Old Testament to refer to, to God. So it was very clear he understood this was the Messiah. This was God. The book of John begins in chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And here near the end of the book of John, the one that we call doubting Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And throughout the gospel, Jesus shows himself to be Lord and God. We can be thankful for who he is and what he's done. Thomas, this is not the first time that Thomas is mentioned in 
the New Testament, but this is the only gospel. The gospel of John is the only one that describes this incident. But earlier in John, in John chapter 11, verse 16, we read, and this is when Jesus had prepared to, to go to Jerusalem, to head that way, to go toward, uh, and first of all, to bring back from the death, from death, Lazarus, and raise him up, and that being close to Jerusalem, Thomas and all the disciples, and Jesus recognized how dangerous it was for him to go to Jerusalem because he had caused a stir on numerous occasions, and there were those out to kill him, and Jesus knew this, but he was determined to go back to Jerusalem, near Jerusalem, and raise Lazarus from the dead, and the disciples weren't so sure of that, but Thomas said in verse uh, 16 of John chapter, chapter 11, he said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. So Thomas was not a, a scaredy cat. Uh, Thomas said, let's go. We're going to die. Let's go. He was outspoken in this. So Thomas uh, knew, knew that and was willing to go. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched, with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we saw it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also. Jesus was alive. The disciples had seen it. Now Thomas had seen it. And they weren't the only ones. Many others saw it as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, Paul wrote, Now I would remind you, brethren, in terms, in what terms I preached to you the gospel, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared also to me. And of course, we know he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus when he was stopped as he was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. 1 Peter 1.8, we read, Without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy unutterable and full of glory. Without seeing him. And that follows up on what Jesus, how Jesus responded to Thomas. When Thomas said, my Lord and my God, 
exhibiting faith, faith that he had not demonstrated earlier. And now he was utterly convinced. He knew without a doubt that Jesus was alive. Nothing could shake him from this conviction that he now was one of the believers. But Jesus responded to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. And he knew that because of that, he was in a special position. All those who saw him and believed received a, a special blessing. They had seen Jesus alive and of course trusted and believed in that. But they went on to say, blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And certainly Jesus was said this for those who, unlike the disciples, unlike the 500, unlike the, the ladies at, uh, who saw him alive, those who heard the message and believed. Those who knew who Jesus was and trusted in him without having seen themselves and yet believes. And Jesus says, blessed are they. What a special, and we are included in that ourselves because we have believed in the risen Lord. We have believed that he is our Lord and our God. But yet we haven't seen with our eyes the risen Lord, but we have seen with our hearts, we have seen with the eyes of faith and know that it is reality. God's word says, if there is no resurrection for the dead, we are of all people most miserable. But Jesus is alive and we know him. Those who have not seen and yet believe. Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to as the, the chapter of faith, the hall of faith of those who, who had faith in the Bible. Not everybody, but many of those who had faith. A powerful chapter. And I'm just going to quickly read through Hebrews chapter 11 about the men and women who had faith. And the thing about each of these is the end of the chapter will tell us these had faith without even having seen Jesus. They knew that God was going to send a Messiah. They knew that God was trustworthy and yet they did it without seeing or even hearing the story of Jesus and they, they believed. We who have the message, how can we not believe? We have seen the triumphs of God and how he's done so much and we've heard of his resurrection and the testimony of those who saw him. And certainly we must believe. Hebrews chapter 11, begin with verse one. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, though through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found 
because God took him up for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of the heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country not of their own. I'm actually going to stop there and not read through the rest of the chapter, but here these people of faith and the, faith, the people that are listed in the rest of the chapter are people who had great faith without having seen all the promises come to pass that God has. We have. We have seen all that God has done. We know he sent his son to die for our sins. We know that he paid the price for us. He was laid in a tomb and that he was resurrected to life. And those who have accepted him as savior are those Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, trusting in him. Jesus did so much for us. He gave his life for us that we might have eternal life today. Maybe you're here and you've not yet put your faith in Jesus. This would be the time to do that. Knowing that Jesus gave all for you and that without having seen him with your eyes, your spiritual eyes, your faith, now you see him. And you want to follow him as Savior and Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you were seen by human eyes after your resurrection. And thank you that we can still see you with our faith. Knowing that you were raised from the dead after having paid for our sins. No, Lord God, today, if there are those here who've not yet trusted in him, I pray that this would be a day where they profess, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. I believe, I believe you so much that I'm willing to give my life to you. 
Lord, we thank you for your great love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.